And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. We are Red Eye Radio. Yes, we are. Good morning. Thanks for being here on this Monday July 17th, uh, 18 years and two days we've been working together. Yes. 18 years and two days. 18 years. It was, it was Saturday. Two days, and... four hours and six minutes <laughs> and 24 <laughs> seconds. But who's counting? <laughs> and I can still remember it was a little bit maybe over a month working with you when you probably thought to yourself, what the hell have I got myself into here? This guy's losing it yeah, over the new, there. Yeah, the new guy is 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 going to have a, 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 a well, his head ex, is going to explode. That's probably what's going to happen before the show's over. And it was when Tom DeLay in Texas, after conservatives, this doesn't happen much anymore, after conservatives were screaming about the fact, because Republicans had control of Congress. And the conservatives like, you've got to cut, you cannot do this. And Tom DeLay came out and said, we have cut. There is nowhere to cut in the budget. And conservatives need to stop complaining because there is nowhere to cut. Yeah, And uh, that's when I came in that night and saw that. I think I had seen it while we were sitting together, and I just lost it at that point. I left the studio briefly, uh, not because I was uh, <laughs> overwhelmed, but I was looking for the defibrillator in the building. I just wanted to make sure I had a clear understanding of where it was. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. You've been through a and lot. Then, yeah. Through a lot in 18 years. Uh, several weeks later, Katrina. Katrina hit, yeah. That yeah. was crazy. Then a month after, what was the one that hit in Houston? Rita. Rita hit, yeah. Yeah. I remember that one because Rita was the one where people were coming up I-45. Yeah. 
and we were talking to people that were in their cars. There was it, it was know, just coming. a it was at, at one point there was a traffic jam. I don't know where that was. Yeah, but it was just a steady stream of people leaving the Houston area, headed north to get out of the way of the storm, and there were people that were running out of gas along the way. And they had other people delivering gas basically to them. How would that work with EVs? Oh, wait, it wouldn't. Well, since you have brought up climate change, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's play the audio cut. Here, okay. I didn't get a chance to play yeah. here. All right, what do you got? from the uh, the 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 vice president okay. at the Investing in America? Oh yeah, conference last uh, Thursday. Here we go. And so we set an ambitious goal to cut our greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030, and to reach net zero emissions by 2050. The investment we are announcing today will help us to achieve these goals. And it will do so much more. Because think also about the impact on not only the local economy, not only on an investment in the entrepreneurs and innovators from and in the community, think about the impact on something like public health. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population... And reduce population. <laughs> now, they after the response to that, the White House came in. She meant pollution. Reduce pollution, not population. But she said population. Right. Now, the, now, the funny thing about it is, if you've paid attention to the entire global warming movement, mm-hmm. the number one thing that they wish to do in order to get rid of global warming is what? Get rid of human beings. Well, yeah, you need to not exist. Right. right. They talk about that on a consistent basis. And net so, zero, by the way, net zero is not zero. <laughs> Quit well, talking about this. Net zero <clears throat> by 2050. No, you're already far behind the curve. Net zero is not zero. Just ask Greta. And by the way, we didn't use Greta. You guys did. Yes. Greta believes that what the Democrats are promoting is pure BS. It's garbage. They're not going to do anything. Now, this is Greta. Right. Now, we do, too, but from a different perspective. Right. (laughs) We we agree with Greta's conclusion, but we come to it from a different point of view. We (laughs) do. A very different point of view. How good. Dare you? Uh, <laughs> how dare you, Democrats, not agree with Greta? How dare how you? Dare you? How dare you? I can't do it with the disgust that she did it. She had such disgust in her voice. Yeah, didn't she when she did that? Mm-hmm. How dare you? How dare you? What I like is, and now for a segment called "Just Something I've Noticed," brought to you by our friends at Motel Six. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find 
great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. And how many times did I say it last week? Mm. The, the the Democrats' plan for a successful economy. And she said it right there. That she goes, invest in America. Well, it's not private investment. It's government taxpayer dollars going to subsidize industries that cannot make a profit on its own. Mm. We dealt with this last week with the UAW now screaming at the electric, the, the electric, <laughs> The car companies coming out about two and a half weeks ago and saying, can't do this. You can't do this. We cannot survive as a company, and we don't have the electricity for electric vehicles. You just can't sit there and be in a delusional dream world and believe that everything is going to be okay because you say so. But as we have stated for the longest time, and she said it right there, the way to get a successful economy is to use taxpayer dollars to support industries. Well, why would you have to support industries? Yeah, why? Because they can't support themselves. They can't make a profit. And so they can't. We know, you know, one of the best things Ford did, uh, Ford did was say, okay, here's what our gasoline car division's doing. Here's what our gasoline truck division's doing. Mm-hmm. Here's what our electric truck division's doing. Here's what our electric car division's doing. Yeah. And with all the subsidies, still losing money. Right. They can't make any money, uh, any money on it. So what she is stating is the way to a successful economy is to government is for government to pour trillions of dollars into industries that still can't make a profit after you invest trillions of dollars into it. Because number one, it doesn't perform. The performance and consistency is not there for the consumer. Therefore, the consumer, by the masses, don't want it. Mm-hmm. The rich, hey, it's a nice second car, a nice toy thing I can show other people, but it's not certainly not practical for what people who can only afford one car mm-hmm. in their family, it's not practical for what they want to use it for. She believes, as she's stating there, and the people behind who apparently who were at this investing in America in Baltimore are completely clueless how things really work and how things really operate are cheering the fact that the way to a successful American economy 
is for the government to invest money, number one, to choose the products that Americans must buy, that Mm -hmm. the government chooses it, Mm -hmm. people like John Kerry, people like Kamala Harris, people like Joe Biden, people like Nancy Pelosi, they decide these are the products that we want you to buy. And so we can't make a profit on them. Nobody is doing it. Nobody would do it. We're going to take your taxpayer dollars to form companies that will eventually go bankrupt because they're producing something Americans don't want, and we're using your taxpayer dollars because they can't make a profit, and that is the way to a successful economy. Mm-hmm. They're nuts. <laughs> And it's over and over again, we've we've demonstrated how the real agenda is about what they have been talking about out loud for many years, for decades, nationalizing energy. And what you have to do is you have to drive out the profitable private sector. And you do that through regulation. Under my plan of cap-and-trade, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. You regulate them. Let let everybody know that's what Obama said. In 2008. Yeah, when you just throw that out, Mm -hmm. it seems like you're saying it. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) That's an Obama quote. Yeah, anybody knows that I wouldn't ever say that. Yes. And so the entire thing has always been about nationalizing energy, controlling not only the capital, from large chunks of the economy, healthcare, energy, but also controlling the means of production. Right. And that's exactly what you get. Um, when you call for this, and, and under the guise that they're saving the planet, the ultimate argument, the planet is going to die if you don't let the government take over. That's the ultimate argument, isn't it? It is. It's the, it is the sandwich board, uh, you know, that, that, that used to be on the streets of, you know, New York where the guy, you know, the sky is falling, the world is ending. Well, what do you do? You take the most extreme thing, not just one thing, everything, the planet is dying and it's not going to be saved unless... You let us take over. And that's exactly what the play has been all along. So we do have a chicken little government, don't we? Yeah. The sky's falling, the sky's falling. Right. And now you have the political will being built over the years to the extent that, and, and here's the thing too, the OEMs don't have a choice when regulation starts moving in that direction they have to comply even if it costs them money and this has been going on for decades the cafe standards the industry fleet average of fuel mileage for each oem toyota didn't make a dime off their prius for years. Oh, remember the Prius? Oh, remember hybrids? I'm old enough to remember hybrids. 
They made their money off of trucks and SUVs. It's still the case today. Gas-powered vehicles still are the money. Everything else is compliance with government regulation. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a choice. Because right now the OEMs see it. Because the law was passed in California that if we're going to sell new vehicles in California, we're going to have to have a lot of EVs in order to do that. We're going to have to change our designs. Our engineering departments are going to have to get better at 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 complying. Even if it means our profits go down the drain, we don't have a choice because it's the law. It's not the demand. And now you have both sides within a week. You had the management of all the big oil or all the big oil, all the big automobile companies say, we can't do this. Right. We can't do this. And at the same time, the UAW screaming that by producing all these electric vehicles, we're being paid half the amount we were being paid when we were making gas vehicles. Right. And we can't afford this. Our, and so we need subs, government subsidies to pay us more right. because you have no negotiation with your own company right. to negotiate better contracts when you can't make money on the products you're producing. Again, a huge chunk of the economy, the automotive OEMs. Oh, man, they would love to. In fact, they got close to doing it with GM back in 2009. They would love to control the companies and the means of production. GM, which started to stand for government motors. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. Well, don't think for a moment that that was a joke because if they had had their way, they absolutely would have. And keep in mind, there were buyers at the table for GM. Government pushed them away. And that was a play to demonstrate. And now what do you have the unions doing? We want government money. And if the Democrats had had the power, that's exactly what would happen. 866-90-RED-EYE. Spotted lanternfly, an invasive pest that has been around for several years in many states. It's been a focus of concern in recent weeks in various northeastern states. To help combat this invasive species, USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service and partners formed a working group that recently released a five-year strategy. We have built a solid plan that sits on three major goals, and we've committed to supporting these goals with certain levels of funding and resources that will be able to see this plan through for this next five years. APHIS's Matt Travis says the three-pronged approach emphasizes response, research, and outreach in efforts to reduce the spread and impacts of spotted lanternfly. It is the latest step in efforts to control the pest, an invasive species especially threatening to grape crops and grapevines, as well as the invasive tree species, Tree of Heaven. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's on our radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. By the way, one thing I just, uh, and I'm glad National Review called them out. Uh, since when did the Pentagon become a chapter of Planned Parenthood? Mm. The Pentagon trying to make the case in Democrats that uh, if uh, they can't have abortion tourism for the uh, uh, the uh, and and transgender surgeries and everything else paid for the taxpayer uh, for the uh, military, that all is doomed, that the military basically can't operate. Mm. What a line of crap. Yeah. That the readiness will not be there of the U.S. military unless they get that's this. garbage. That's the, I mean, it's just that's garbage. Garbage. And uh, they make a great point. Uh, it's like <laughs> Tommy Tuberville is right about the military. Mm. He's absolutely right. As, uh, Tuberville has become the public enemy number one for blocking all military promotions and nominations over Pentagon policy. That could have been drafted by a committee of Planned Parenthood, uh, NARL Pro-Choice America, and AOC. Mm. The Pentagon is funding abortion tourism for troops in case they find themselves behind enemy lines. Oh, that's stationed in a state mm. that has significant post-op restrictions on abortion. In a June 28, 22 memorandum the department, to the Department of Defense, uh, they said the Dobbs decision would have significant implications for the readiness of the force. Note the audacity here. The claim isn't that Dobbs would have a marginal or barely detectable effect on readiness, but it would have been uh, would have been dubious enough, uh, which would have been dubious enough, but significant use. The Pentagon then issued another memorandum saying that Dobbs has readiness, recruiting, and retention implications for the force. It's as if we won't be able to deploy, say, the first armored division in response to a crisis in Europe because the legendary division based in Fort Bliss, Texas, has been too hobbled by the Texas heartbeat bill. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. So here we go. San Francisco's downtown is never going back to the way it was. Hmm. San Francisco, California-based tech CEO Mark uh, Benioff says the city will never go back to the way it was before the pandemic, advising city's officials to convert old office space into housing and hire more police. In just three years of pandemic uh, forced companies to rethink how their workforce conducts business, stripping away the crowds and bustling environment uh, uh, metropolitan areas like San Francisco, California, were known for having. Now, as some things return to normal, many workers who commuted to San Francisco t- continue to work remote, and the Golden City is struggling to keep businesses intact, leaving many businesses and buildings vacant. Uh, 
The Associated Press reported that often vac- office vacancies in San Francisco were 24.8% in the first quarter, more than five times higher than pre-pandemic levels and well above the average of 18.5% for the nation's top cities. Uh, you look at the real estate market, there's uh, another related story coming out over the weekend about the decline in the real estate market in San Francisco. Uh, according to one uh, real estate CEO, it was once the, of course, San Francisco was once the crown jewel, right? Mm-hmm. And now you have several huge hotel owners that have given yeah. back the keys to the lenders. Mm-hmm. This kind of implosion isn't going to be turned around anytime soon. It It is a massive decline for very fundamental reasons. And when they are fundamental reasons like the rise in crime, the reluctance, the, ref, the refusal to do anything about that crime and you see these companies and, and, and then COVID hits and then everybody's working from home. Then all of a sudden we're not coming back. And in the IT world, that has been, that still is the conundrum because you have the major tech companies saying, nope, everybody back on campus. And then the IT workers are going, well, we can, we can go elsewhere. We can find a job and work from home to, tomorrow and get great pay for doing so. So that's kind of their conundrum. You combine all of these things and the retail establishments that has employees that are afraid to go to work in these areas and they're leaving this cost, by the way, this costs these companies tons of money to leave. It's not a simple thing to do. It's expensive, but it's better than staying. And as we have been saying at some point, you can't afford to stay, and this is exactly what's going on. Let me ask you this. With a lot of these tech companies where, you know, again, these employees are saying, we're not going to come back, we're not going to come back. Can that, because I don't know the potential of AI, but is that is what, that one thing that tech companies now, because tech companies are into tech, that they're looking mm-hmm. and saying, AI can replace these people. I, it, that be, If they're not, because if they... The tech companies want them in there for some kind of reason. Yeah. There's yeah. a reason. It's not just, it's not just, well, this is out of spite. They view that people are more efficient and productive. They might have been initially at home for the first couple of months of COVID. Remember, we talked about mm-hmm. that. I think, mm-hmm. like, I think productivity was down by, was by down by 1%, like three or four months into COVID. But they found that the savings, because you weren't using, you know, the the same thing at the company, mm-hmm. made it so overall you were more productive. But that ended at some point for many businesses. Well, and, where they said, okay, long term, the productivity isn't there. Well, it, it's it's not mm-hmm. just about productivity with tech companies. It's proprietary issues. Hillary Clinton's server. <laughs> We don't want you operating <laughs> off campus because so many proprietary issues. And if you That's think great of point. No, Apple, point. Google, and and these major tech companies that want 
they're the reason they built the campuses the way they did, you know, where they had, I mean, they had laundromats, they had uh, free meals, they had all of these things because, you know, it, it was from the outside looking in, oh, that's an incentive to to actually make them more productive. While they may take a few minutes off during a break, that break is needed and, and gets them geared up for more creative, the creative process on the other side. That's not the reason from the inside. The primary reason is because you want everything kept within your four walls because the proprietary issues become very real, especially when you talk about the differences. Um, and, and, and I mean, if you, if you own an Android phone and somebody you know that's close to you has an iPhone, you know all of the proprietary issues. Anybody paying attention knows of those. But now think about how the engineers design those and mm-hmm. what they're looking at putting out in the future. Apple has led the way for the longest time, but other companies that compete with them don't want anyone looking in. There's actually uh, these stories um, that have come out where uh, it, it well in the in the tennis shoe world, um, the uh, Adidas versus Nike, when they ha- would have a prototype that was available, one the, the the competition would always want, and this is the same with OEMs and everything else. They want their eyes on it. They would love to get a picture of the prototype of whatever it is. When you're operating off campus in the IT world, you're Hillary Clinton using a server outside the, you know, protected walls right. of their campus. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they're looking to protect. Other companies have that. to Any company has that to a certain extent. But... It's especially true in those that not only build the applications that we all use on the phones or whatever device, it's those that are building the actual devices, the hardware as well. And when you when you consider all of that, it becomes extremely difficult. I don't that conundrum is going to be in play for a long time. Well, but and so uh, I think my point still valid, mm-hmm. though, about A.I., mm-hmm. And does does that make oh, no, management so. yeah. even yeah. more yeah. if it, if it's not just a productivity issue if it's more proprietary than productivity no, does that even give management a greater incentive to say you're going to be replaced with AI well, we've already replaced be, tech people with be, AI because AI is also proprietary they all yeah, there's yeah. there's different forms of AI uh there Elon Musk has his new uh you know his his new venture into into AI or it's not new, but his venture into, into AI and all of these things. Um, who was it? Ashton Kutcher tweeting about this new AI that he's on board with. Um, and there, those proprietary issues within that probably right now are more sensitive uh, than anything because that's what they believe will, will lead the way. And we talked about it with Google, the Google layoffs. And, and we said, well, look. You know, just from a layman's perspective, uh, in what you do at Google and what you developed at Google, for all those that that were the top minds at Google, and we don't mean leadership, we mean 
those that were working on the ground floor to develop Google and what it does. The ones that did the work. Yeah, the ones, the worker bees. <laughs> they certainly could have or should have seen it coming in, in what you do. Your whole idea is about AI, creating something that will do something instantaneously, will be intuitive, um, and then will we'll, we'll essentially at some point replace humans. And that is going to be in play greater and greater in every industry, but certainly in tech. And in San Francisco, if you think of Silicon Valley, it was, you know, it was the, the it was the mountain of that kind of innovation. Mm-hmm. And now Silicon Valley is just kind of a if you if you mention it to uh, younger people in the IT world, <laughs> they just kind of look at it as, oh, man, that's that's like watching a black and white movie. <laughs> You know, and it's not because they will tell you, and many of them do. I have a a family member who's an executive for a major company, and she works a couple of days from home, and she's one of those. In fact, I have a couple of family members that fit this exact same mold. They're the types of individuals that can go into their home office and they work better on the projects because no one is opening their door every five minutes. And... Those are the things, those are the minds that will tell you, I can't work in that environment anymore. Keep in mind, when you go inside these tech companies, they have this big open floor. They don't even have partitions. They, Everybody is sitting right there in the open, and COVID changed that, but I think also it was bound to change in how people worked in general. You'll walk by and everybody's got their headphones on. Everybody's got, you know, <laughs> the uh uh they're they're listening to something or they're they're just blocking everything else out so they can focus on what they're doing, but they don't want to be in that open environment. I have a family member who who uh is not part of that generation and experienced that for the first time at a major company. And they were, and everybody is in this open room, and you're just it's 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 like a school cafeteria back in the day. No, but there you are know, sitting at no, those tables. There are there are parts of that business where you're not, it's not collaborative, where you and and that's well, we, in we, fact, we, my yeah, my and, family and member was and in finance, and you right. can't you can't be collaborative and, in that way because you can't have people looking at, or. You can't have them with the ability to see what you're yeah. working on because you don't share that information so, with every employee. So there are there are more than just one type of, of worker, as mm-hmm. of course there are, for example. And so you can look and you can say, okay, those are the people that just don't want to come into work anymore. They like working at home so they can goof off. Then there's the other group of people out there that actually work better alone. Yeah, yeah. Are and, more are right. more productive and more focused. Well, and and it's it is that, in that part are the, generational. That are the self the self starters, right? Yeah. And and I think it is in part generational. I mean, it, it, it's a, there are many people uh, in that age group, and and let's just say Gamers. I don't know, yeah, <laughs> where they're okay with being in a virtual crowd. 
<laughs> they no, I don't really have no desire to be in a real crowd. No. They operate better. Their mind operates better that way. And I don't think you're going to reverse that with 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 that group, with that individual, those, those types of individuals. And I, I think with San Francisco and it relying so much of that wealth really coming from the IT world. And the IT world is now dispersed, which means we get into a ton of different topics. What happens to the the Nirvana leftist urban architecture and dreams out yeah. there? Oh, no, that's what gone. It, I, I, it's it, funny because I was thinking about that over the weekend, which would be what everybody in this concentrated area, you know, and 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 small smaller homes living on top of each. That's right. gone. That's gone. Well, at the same time that you can make the case that government wants people out of their vehicles. Of, of course, yeah. And more mass transportation. Right. As we may be spreading out as a yeah. nation based on the, oh, the on where our culture the, is going. The government wants a concentrated area of people living in smaller spaces. The people no longer want it, even those that were calling for it before. Let's jot this down for a future conversation. Yeah. <laughs> 866 red eye Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's our Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, uh, failing to resolve the dual strikes of the Writers and Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood will lead to devastating effects, effects Excuse me, if not settled soon. Mm. Chairman uh, 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 Barry Diller said in an interview on CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday, he's a former Paramount uh, uh, Pictures CEO, predicted a domino effect should the dual strikes not resolve quickly. Mm. Uh, these conditions will potentially produce an absolute collapse of the entire industry. Wow. Yeah. Well, is it going to be decentralized? I think it's a, a, a very good possibility that it could be. Because, quite frankly, if they can't make profits, and look at all the projects they've been cutting over the last year or two at all the studios, there's no doubt they're in trouble. This is Red Eye Radio. On what? The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.